0: It's good to see all of you here this morning, and I'm thankful that you're here in the house of God, and uh, I appreciate you, and if you're visiting this morning, we say welcome, but I just want to tell you this morning, if you're visiting, we're a church that puts a premium upon the Holy Spirit. We don't quench the Holy Spirit. We don't want to. Maybe we have, but we don't want to. And we certainly want to preach and speak what God says. Amen. And so it's kind of like Pastor Duke said during the conference, how he said that, you know, that conviction is our friend. That conviction is the greatest thing that we could ever have. Because if you don't have any conviction of the Holy Spirit, then you don't know what God is trying to say to you. But where there's conviction, God will begin to change everything, change you. And that—that that is the whole purpose of Calvary. That's the whole purpose of the blood. You know, I have said this for years. God didn't save us out of sin to go back to sin. He saved us out of sin to deliver us from it, its hold, its penalty, its punishment, its bondage and and torment and he came to give us peace but i can tell you the devil wants to drag us back there every second he can he wants to drag us back there And this morning this message i believe with all my heart is just something that god wants to say to us and it may be right where somebody's living this morning but potentially you say pastor it this wasn't actually directed at me or at, i would wasn't something that i can say that i'm living in now just slip it in your back pocket amen because you're going to need it one day because i can tell you that devil wants to destroy every one of us every one of us this morning in judges chapter 13 i want to read the first through the seventh verse and then we'll go to chapter 16 but it says here in judges 13 verses 1 and the children of israel did evil again in the sight of the lord you know I just want to stop for a second and say there's a constant raising up of deliverers and deliverers and delivers, people that were, would be deliverers uh, in the book of Judges because the children of Israel continue to go back to, to that evil. They begin to go back to that. And uh, God will deliver you, amen. He will set us free, but um, he wants us to live delivered, amen. Live at that place of deliverance. Aren't you thankful that even though we may mess up, he knows how to come back and bring deliverance again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because I can tell you, God does not want the devil to win over on you. He won so you and I could be overcomers. Don't ever forget that. But again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the land, into the hand, rather, of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and barest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Uh, Now, therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine, nor strong drink, or eat anything unclean. For, lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God. Very terrible, but I asked him not whence he was, neither told him told he me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now go over to Judges 16. In verse 16, it says this. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily. Now this was when Samson had lived his life and had some great victories, but also had some times of great, uh, well, I'll say failure in his life, because that's what it was. But the Bible says that he came to a point and place where Delilah took him down. She was just a vessel, but she was one that took him down. And it says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. A a Nazarite vow was a, a, a vow of separation and consecration, and we read it in the beginning. But it says... Here in the word, if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money into their hand. Uh, in their hand and she made him sleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him and his strength went from him and she said the philistines be upon thee samson and he awoke out of his sleep and said i will go out as other times before and shake myself but he wist not that the lord was departed from him that's a tragic scripture Thank God it didn't end that way. I can tell you because God has called us to be victors and overcomers. And thank God he doesn't throw the clay away, but he starts over. And he will finish what he starts. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. And verse twenty eight says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Father, today I just ask you to equip me and to help me. Anoint me, Lord. I am your servant. I'm clay in your hands. Lord, use me as your vessel that you've shaped and pour in, Lord, the contents that it can be poured out. I ask you today, Lord, have thine own perfect will and way. I'm not here to win any awards or get accolades for an ability to speak because, Lord, I don't have any. But, God, I ask you today to anoint these words And minister to this body today. A warning. And God I pray Lord. A prophetic utterance to them. And God will be careful to give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. I'm preaching. a A message entitled Samson. A type of the believer. And. I'm using his life as an example to all of us. And it parallels. With all of us in some way. His life. For surely speaks to us and should give us encouragement to be watchful over our own lives as Christians and also to be faithful to our call and our vows unto God. Hopefully, that God is loving and compassionate and and, and restore us. We know that He's called us to be faithful, He's called us to be uh, watchful, and He's called us to be hopeful because He is a loving God and compassionate to restore us. If you don't hear anything else, I say I want you to know today that I don't care how far a person may get away from God if they'll never forget how good God is. Forget about you. Remember about him. Because I can tell you it's his mercy and his grace and his power that we are who we are. Paul said, I am what I am because of his grace not because of my works of righteousness for they are as of filthy rags. I can't work my way to heaven, but I can tell you right now, I can believe my way there. Amen. I can faith my way there. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah this morning. But you can never forget that. Don't ever forget that because we're all going to do things that we're going to regret in our life and, and say things, do things, think things, act in ways. But God is a faithful God who forgives us. But Samson was an individual that we can perish. Parap- our our life after because he was born uh, by a prophetic birth. He was told by the angel of the Lord to his mother and father that he was going to be born. And he was born not only by prophetic birth but with a purpose. He was born with the purpose of God. He was born with the call of God. He was born to be a deliverer for God. In his hand he was called to be that deliverer unto Israel. And if if you look at the Old Testament I just want to say this. If you look at the Old Testament patriarchs and different ones that are listed in the book of Hebrews, especially chapter 11, you see that they are all types of Christ. There's something about them. Moses was a a tremendous intercessor. David was a king and and, and a shepherd. And you see all of these uh, different men throughout the Bible that sum up, in essence, the character and the nature of who our Savior is, something about them, and Samson had that delivering quality about him, he had a power, amen, he had a power of God, and and Christ Jesus also uh, not being, he he is the Christ, and so he was our Savior, but born of a prophetic birth too, we know that, there's something powerful about that, but we too have a prophetic birth, every one of us, if you stop and think about it, David said, "I, I was feared. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You and I were fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew us in in the womb. He knew us before we were even conceived. He purposed for us. That's why abortion is such a horrible thing. Because I can tell you it's it's destroying the life. You as, as a person playing God and destroying the life of something that God created. I can assure you this. That little baby, no matter who they are, they're in the arms of our Savior. Thank God but it's never our right to take matters into our own hands and play God with something amen that is life that he created but we were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God and I'm reading this this morning out of Romans chapter 8 verse 29 because not only were we fearfully and wonderfully made amen to to live and be an eternal soul uh, to bring glory unto God and to fulfill his perfect will but we were all predestined, predestinated to be conformed back to the image of Christ, and predestined to be conformed to His image um, that we had fallen from. And in Romans eight twenty nine, it says, "For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified them, He also glorified. You know, I don't like to get into really the teaching too much of predestination like some people teach it that God picked some and God didn't pick others. I believe God picked everybody to be saved. Amen. He predestined all of us to be saved. There's some that will not and they will become a vessel of destruction by their own choice. But He picked every one of us by prophetic birth. The very fact that He birthed us and made us a living soul and breathed life into us and then repurchased us back after we had fallen, proves to you and me that we have an eternal prophetic origin from above. Amen. And I love that. But He foreknew us. He predestined us. He called us. He justified us. Every child born has an eternal living soul inside. His perfect will is that we all would follow Him And live for Christ. Some choose not to. But he's not willing that any would perish. But that all come to repentance. Think about that. Amen. God will go to the greatest lengths. To the end of the earth. All the way to giving his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him. Shall not perish. But have everlasting life. Aren't you thankful today. For the sacrifice that God gave. That he went all the way to the very depths. To his very end Amen We always look at that woman That put in the two mites As Jesus was watching them Take up the offering And he said She gave more than the men That gave thousands Thousands of dollars In essence Two little old widow's mites The reason why he said that Is because she gave all she had And I can tell you God gave his only begotten son There wasn't any more His only begotten son And so you and I ought to a shout today and thank God that he withheld nothing from us to purchase us that's love <clears throat> from the foundation of the world God has prepared our salvation Ephesians chapter 1 I love Ephesians Ephesians was written to a people that God began to display doctrine to them and great eternal truth Ephesians 1 and 4 says, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Aren't you grateful today that you're accepted in the Beloved? How are we accepted by God in our sinful state? We're accepted in the Beloved because of Jesus. We're accepted in Him. That's why we're baptized and we go down in that water. We died with Him. We raised with Him out of that place of death death, and resurrection power. Amen. Everybody thinks baptism is about washing. Well, it's in typology of that, but it is also this, church, that you died with Him. He was buried, and we rose with Him again. Thank God, amen, that we are accepted in the Beloved. The only reason you're accepted is because you accept Jesus, and you come under the blood of covenant of His sacrifice on Calvary's cross. Amen. Pastor, why do you preach that all the time? Because when you're at your lowest moment, you're going to need that. Amen. I've got a pair of jumper cables in my car. I've got a, a some rope underneath my seat in the back seat of my pickup. I've got jumper cables. I've got a flashlight. I've got, you know, certain things. I've got a a knife that I can cut that rope with. I've got things in that car that I can tell you in my lowest moment, if I need them, I've got what I need to get out of the dangerous situation that I'm in or the being on the sidelines. God wants us to understand about His blood and the sacrifice on Calvary so we never forget that. That's why the enemy would lead a lot of modern-day preachers to move away from the blood and the cross. You never hear it preached in their message. You never hear it referred to. You know, they may preach deliverance, so they may preach this, so they may preach that, but where does it come from right here? God purposed for us and predestined us from the foundation of the world. Did you know God put probably, who knows how long, but at minimum 6,000 years of thought into you. And you think God doesn't care about you? Come on. you got people here upon this earth that you are more, you know, you put more stock in whether they remembered your birthday or not. But we serve a God who foreknew us before we were even a thought. Thousands of years before if not millions, eternal. So, we are called prophetically by God. We are called to be born again, redeemed, and children of God prophetically. Not pathetically, but prophetically. A lot of people may think, they listen to the lie of the enemy, that I'm just a pathetic, sorry mess. Like I can tell you right now, you're not pathetic. You are prophetically spoken of in the Bible. Amen. <laughs> you know, you 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 can be confident in this, that my life is a prophecy that's come to pass. And not only has it come to pass, but it's come to pass to the letter that now I have been born again. I'm in right standing with God. Yeah. Amen. I'm in a position with the Lord that... I, I've never known before I come to Christ. So we are called prophetically, but not pathetically. In fact, Christ in us is the powerful deliverer like Samson. He was born delivered. Think about that. He was born to, be, born to be a deliverer, but he was born with that delivering power. The Bible says the Spirit of God would come upon him. Amen. In that time of need, the Spirit of God would come upon him. And when we are born of his Spirit, we are born delivered. In other words, all the power to become what God's called us to become has been deposited in us when I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ his life came into me and his life isn't bound his word isn't bound but he's that's what the apostle Paul said I may be bound in the natural but God's word is not bound and Christ in me is not bound I can tell you he's the God who sets the son free amen sets us free and free indeed and so we've got to know that today everything that I would ever need is in Christ Jesus and when I gave my heart and life to Jesus he said I've delivered you amen the devil may have come back to try to pull me back into bondage but the God I serve said I am your deliverer I am your deliverer and I will continue to keep you at that place of deliverance well what if I fall pastor a righteous man may fall but he gets back up every time he stands back up on his feet every time don't you let the devil knock you down you were born delivered live a delivered life give the Lord a hand clap of praise our life like Samson, is a life of a vow think about it it's a life of a vow unto God a decision to follow God and be delivered from our flesh nature that was the whole purpose of him being born said he's going to deliver God's people from the, from the oppression and the cap- uh, captivity, if you will, or the, the oppression of the Philistines. The Philistines, I can tell you, they're the uncircumcised Philistine, which is a type of the flesh. They're the ones that are always trying to bring you back into that old man and who you used to be. And and not a spirit man, but a flesh man. God has not called us to be people that walk in the flesh, but people that walk in the spirit. Amen. But pastor, I still have a flesh, I know. But you as a spirit-filled man or woman of God can cause that flesh to come into alignment with what God's Word says. Only if you're spirit-filled will you bring that that fleshly man and say you're not doing that you're not looking at that you're not going there you're not saying that you're not thinking that do we ever get in our flesh yes I'd be lying if I said that I didn't or you didn't we all have and it's a battle every day of our life don't ever judge anybody or criticize them for where they're at because I can tell you if you love God you're fighting against your flesh have mercy and grace upon them the decision you think about it Samson's life is like our life and everyone's life that comes to Christ it's one of a vow a vow that we make unto God are we not married to our Savior is he not the the bridegroom and we're the bride do we not make that commitment unto him and that vow I will serve thee because I love thee amen because of what you've done in my life the disciples understood that that's why they dropped their fishing nets and they said I'm going to leave this profession and follow after my Savior Jesus Christ my Rabbi my Messiah and my God and I am going to become fishers of men God has a will for your life amen he has a will for your life in my life and we have to know and understand we make a vow unto our God amen when we commit to him that's the thing people forget I made a vow unto God when I came down there to That altar, and I can't break that vow. Amen. How could I break that vow after He's done so much for me? He is my only hope of eternity. But the disciples dropped their nets, the woman at the well dropped her water pot which was uh, the pursuit of a man. She was always pursuing another conquest with a man. That's why Jesus told her, you've been with five. The man you're shacking with is not your husband, but you've got to meet the perfect man. And she did that day. His name was Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I love this. Levi and Zacharias left the corrupt tax collecting life I'm sorry not Zacharias, Zacchaeus Zacchaeus, he came down and he made restitution Levi began to throw a big feast and said come on over to my house we're having a potluck we're having a barbecue, the only thing is you're going to have to sit and listen to this rabbi, this this preacher named Jesus And, 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 and his whole life changed, amen, everything changed about him, but they left that corrupt life, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea left the religious charade and Paul did too because when you make a commitment to Christ you're making a vow unto Him Lord I will serve you. Our life is a vow unto God. That's what Christianity is. His life for mine. That wasn't just redemption it means how we order our lives redemption and salvation is just the beginning now it's a life in faith why do you preach that pastor because there's so much out there that teaches you you don't have to do nothing and that is a lie nowhere in the bible does god does the word of god say that when we come in salvation to him that there is no condition that it's unconditional his love a man loves you beyond who you are and what you are and people have made that unconditional but i can tell you his love is unconditional he looks at you and he says i don't care what condition you're in i'm still going to love you but to say that we don't have to do anything there's no i'm telling you that's a lie everybody in that bible that followed god followed him fervently especially anybody that did anything for the kingdom of god So redemption and salvation is just the beginning and then we're walking with him the rest of our lives. Peter sums it up in 1 Peter chapter 2. I love this scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and this is what he says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We live in a time where Christian people Don't want to be known as a person That's a peculiar person I can tell you if you serve God You are going to be looked at from the world As a peculiar person You do not fit into this world Praise God If you fit into that world then you're like them You're the enemy of God the Bible says But if you are truly a chosen generation A royal priesthood A holy nation A peculiar people That you should show forth the praises of him Who called you out of of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people but are now the people of God which had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy he said dearly beloved I love that dearly beloved I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as an evildoer, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Just remember this. I've seen this many, 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 many times. The person that mocked you as a Christian will always come back to the true example of what they know is reality. Amen. Always, they come back and they say, you know, I made fun of you, but I know whenever I needed God and he was, when when he showed me my need and he made himself real to me, I knew where to go, where I experienced reality. We are to be that example. Now getting back to Samson here, the great deliverer that was used of God, the crux of my message is this. All hell is set out to fight us and cause us to forsake our vow to God. The Nazarite vow was a vow of separation. Touch no dead animal. Stay away from death. I know that it was a natural thing, but it carries over into a spiritual life. Amen. Touch no dead animal. Stay away from death. You know, there's it's, there's death everywhere. And now it's on a magnitude because of the internet and because of social media and because of the information that is at our fingertips right there on our phone in a split second. You can find anything and they're making it even easier. Now all you have to do is speak it and it comes. Used to be you'd have to go to a search engine. They still have that, but but you, you can say... Whichever one, Siri, Alexa, or whichever one, or just you know, go on there, and your computer or your phone will bring up whatever you want, just like that. And and there's there's things on there that can be positive and can be something that can be useful. But I can tell you, the devil, the devil gets in those details, and he gets in all of that to try to bring death to us. I assure you this, that 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 I have prayed and asked God more times to forgive me over time on my phone, over over just stupidity and things that you just give yourself to, over things that were even impure, over things where the devil took me on a bunny trail. Don't even look at me like you ain't been there too. Okay? Adjust your halo around your horns. We all have. We all have. Because the devil... The devil will make sure of that. And parents, I want to tell you this because I just feel this in my heart. you got to be very, very careful what you allow your kids to see, what you allow in front of them. Because what you're doing is you're setting them up. Come on now. You're setting them up for the enemy. You're giving them access, you know. You're giving them access to a worldwide web of everything, everything and and the positives are, the, the negatives and the evil and the wickedness far outweigh what little bit of positives you got to be very 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 careful are you hearing me you got to be very 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 careful because the enemy wants to destroy our kids destroy our youth that's what he wants amen I, and you know what folks listen we're called to parent our children amen and if you they're not to be left to themselves they're not to be left to themselves you know that's they're 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 immature they they don't know what you know they have by the simple fact that you've lived longer than they have they don't know what you know i know a lot of times they think they do but they don't then they get older and they realize how smart you really were They didn't see and understand the things. Come on now. But going back to this, touching no dead animals, stay away from the things that are death. Anything that would pull you away from your consecration and your separation unto God. We've all been there and we all have to deal with it. He said, drink no wine or strong drink or nothing even from the vine, keeping you from the possibility of corruption. Because of of the corruption in that alcohol, it'll make you become somebody you never dreamed you'd become. It'll make you do things you never dreamed you'd do. It'll bring you into bondage and addiction. So this was part of that Nazarite vow. So it separate from that. Not even cutting your hair. And it's symbolic of never diverting from your convictions. Amen. Never diverting from your convictions. And for women in the New Testament, it talks about how that the woman's hair is her glory. There's a place in God as we live separated and living for Him totally and completely faithfully consecrated. There's an anointing there where there's a separation. And there's a glory in that. The glory of God. Not your glory, but the glory of God. Where you come into His presence because of that heart. Now Samson, Samson's life, teaches us that Satan is after the vow that you've made to obey God the vow to be pure the vow to be consecrated and the vow to remain faithful to God's word and his call and he's satisfied listen church the devil is satisfied with small victories why would you say that pastor Because you see the progression, and I'm not going to go through all four or five chapters in Judges, but you see the progression in Samson's life, how that there were things that he did. One of the first things that he wanted to do was go down and get him a Philistine woman. And his dad said, hold on here just a second. You know, now you're going to make yourself unequally yoked with the people that God is calling you to deliver us from. The enemy wants those that have the power and the authority and the knowledge to bring people to deliverance to be bound themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Satan was satisfied, and he is satisfied with small victories because the little foxes spoil the vine. That's what it says in Song of Solomon 2.15. The little foxes spoil the vine. It's those little things that begin to create the whole of your demise. And he's satisfied with small victories. Just little pieces of your vow over time equate to the whole vow. He touched the unclean thing in chapter 14 verse 9. The Bible says that he had slew that lion, then he'd come back, it was a dead animal, had some honey in it. I'm going to tell you this: The devil wants to entice you after your greatest victory to bring you into your greatest defeat. I have, I have found in my life the greatest times of victory in preaching and ministry. The next day, sometimes not even the next day, it's that night. He's already working to pull you back. Amen. To destroy that vessel, destroy that vow, destroy that commitment. And not only that, but to leave you at a place where you're broken and you're defeated. Because if the enemy can defeat you enough times to convince you, you're worthless. God can't use you anymore. This is the 1500th time. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Now, I want to share some things with you and then we're moving on here. But he touched the unclean thing and then he finds himself toying with the devil. Listen to me. This is something you don't really hear a lot of people say but people dibble dabble with things. You get out in shark you get out in too far in that ocean. You're going to be in shark water and you're going to get bit if you're not careful. You play with fire you're going to get burned. The enemy wants to lead people to believe you know what? You're just, it's okay. You can just, and you convince yourself, Lord, I'm strong enough. I'm going to tell you, we're dealing with an adversary that is far older than you and me. One time I was praying with Pastor Lee and he said something. He said, God, he said, we know that the devil has outsmarted better men than us. And he has been at this for many, many years. And we know, Lord, that we're no match for him, but you were. You already defeated him. And the only way that we can overcome is if we you abide in us, we abide in you, you empower us, and we walk in the Spirit. Because the moment we think we can do it on our own or the moment we think we can toy with the enemy, you're already playing with fire. That's why you find yourself doing things that you say, how did I ever get here? I assure you this, listen, you don't toy with the enemy. And that's exactly what he did. He went to the enemy and he began to say, hey, why don't you uh, try to uh, figure out this riddle? Well, it ended up biting him. It ended up being something that he lost. I can tell you, because the devil will outsmart you. That's why you got to stay away from it. Amen. That's why you got to shun the very appearance of evil. That's why you got to separate yourself. And church, look, the enemy wants to pull you in. It's a no no to toy with the enemy. The moment you believe the lie, I can do this and can control its effects upon me, you're doomed. There are things that God said you cannot go there. You cannot. You you can't. You, there's certain people you cannot have social media. It destroys you every time. There's some people that can do it. They can handle it. But there's other people. The Holy Ghost has told you. God has told you. You can't do that. You can't do that. There's people that you cannot be around. Because they are going to pull you back to the person that you used to be. And it's not being mean. It's not, well, how are we supposed to minister to them? I can tell you that if you're not careful, they'll be the ones that influence you, not you influencing them. That's why he said don't be unequally yoked. Stay away from that. Serve God. Amen. I know. You know, there's a reason they don't let men go into those strip clubs and minister to those women. You ain't got no business in there. They've even had. They've even. Well, I'm not even going to say that. Amen. I'll back up here just a second. I'm just going. Whoa! you know people go in there uh, even some of the, the, the volunteers and stuff and they have even made comments oh my gosh you know it, there's a spirit in there of course there is you've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might have yourself completely covered that, 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 uh, that uh, whole armor has to be upon you the helmet of salvation to cover your mind amen it has to be covered in the blood the breastplate of righteousness to cover your heart amen you've got to have your loin skirt about with truth. You've got to be fully armored because if the enemy can get you to believe a lie, you don't believe truth anymore because you're not holding on to that truth. That's why we need doctrine. That's why we need preachers that will preach the word to us and will stand in the, in the day whenever everybody's fallen by the wayside. But there's places you can't go, people you can't hang with, things you cannot do. Don't let the devil convince you you can do it. You're strong enough. You'll be okay. No. You will Find yourself like Samson caught up in a tangled web, entangled again in bondage. And that's exactly what happened to him. Satan has a strategy, a plot, a plan, a scheme to destroy our faith, destroy our vow. And the mockery of our broken life appeals to him more than your death. Rather than kill you, and destroy you completely. He'd rather see you bleeding on the side of the road, like a like an animal that's been beaten and thrown and left to the side. Look at him. He can't even get up. He laughs. He laughs. Oh, don't kill him, cause he'll get back up and we'll do it again. Don't kill him. We get more sport out of that. The devil, I can tell you, hell says we get more out of that than we do destroying him. Church, listen. The mockery of a broken, destroyed failure of a life in Christ appeals to him more than your death. He'd rather have that prodigal son eaten those corn husks in that hog pen and mock at him, laughing at him, mock him, look at him, look at him. He was he was he was in his father's house. He was a son that was loved, that had an inheritance. But look at him. What a pitiful, pitiful sight to see. And hell laughs. We have to see the mistakes that Samson made in his life and know that there's things that we have to avoid. Even Peter said, the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There's people that he never devours or he does not devour because they don't give him that opportunity. This is what I'm preaching today. Remember what I'm saying to you. Remember what the word of God says. We cannot be ignorant of his devices. Jesus died so we could be free. It is finished. But as our pastor, Pastor Duke said, but he's not, God's not finished. God's not finished. What he, the work he did on Calvary was finished, but he's not finished working in us. Every day is a day we walk in the spirit and we overcome things. And that means that we are not finished. Samson's vow was bombarded when he allowed his besetting sin to bring him to a place where he gave up his vow of separation. You hearing me? He laid in the lap of Delilah. He toyed many times. Well, if you just put green bands around my wrist a little bit closer, I'm all right, I've got my safety net, well, if you weave the hair on my head, then my strength will be gone, she pressed him and pressed him, until he did the unthinkable, he opened up his heart, and he said, I'm telling you all my heart, if this hair is shaved, I lose my strength. It was at that moment he began to surrender his vow and his separation. Church, I know of people that have walked away from God. And today, when they once worked in the church, sang in the church, prayed in the church, lived for God, today they're bound they're not only demon-possessed, but they're losing their mind because what they did was they said they gave all of their heart to somebody that was devil-possessed and sucked them into that life. And now, as the Bible says in Romans 1, they have a reprobate mind. They don't even believe God would ever forgive them. See, the reprobate mind is when you believe a lie. You believe a lie. That mind is turned over. What it's not that God doesn't love you or doesn't wouldn't save you or would he he gives you over to what you want to do. And the devil will convince you there's no way out. I want to tell you something. Perhaps this message is only a warning, but the devil is after your faithful commitment. He's, he's after that which is the pure value about your life, Christ, your vow. The devil hates Christ. You're just secondary. He hates Christ in you. That's what he hates. That's what he hates. We know Samson's ending. His eyes were put out. He was grinding like a slave and mocked. The champion, deliverer, bound and destroyed. But I love this scripture, and it gives us great hope. Chapter 16, verse 22. "Howbeit, His hair of his head begin to grow again. Aren't you thankful that that hair began to grow back? Amen. Begin to grow back. I love that scripture. His hair begin to grow again. There's always hope of restoration. The hair growing was the grace of God and his mercy unto Samson, but also because God wants to get glory out of our life, even if it's one final defeat. I remember a man that was a husband of a a friend of Angela's, Years ago, and he was married to a woman, but he was a homosexual. He lived that life, and it was pretty well known. But then they began to get divorced, and he went his way, and his wife went her way. But he, he would play the piano in the church. He was anointed when he was right. He was anointed. The power of God would come upon him, and he would play. But he got away, and he ended up with HIV, AIDS, I don't know, but he ended up in the hospital. And on his deathbed, he got up in that hospital, wherever he was at. He began to preach. He said, God, if you'll give me one more chance, I'll preach. And he went through that hospital, all those people that were in that hospital, sick with HIV and AIDS, and he went down the hallway. And he's preaching to them and telling them, I messed up my life. I didn't serve God like I should have, but I'm going to go out of this life and I'm going to give God all the glory and I'm going to preach, and I'm going to minister, and I'm going to give it my best. Show. I'm going to give the devil a black eye on my way out. Amen. And I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. And he was preaching, and he was ministering, and people would weep in that hospital as they heard him minister the gospel to them. And then he died. Went home, no doubt in my heart, he went home to be with the Lord. He made things right on his way out. But think about what he could have done had he just not forsook his vow. You know, God is so faithful. I want to close with this scripture. And I know that he called me to preach this today and it was a a fight and a struggle just in my mind the past few days. Actually, two weeks ago, told me to preach this before the conference or in the midst of praying for the conference. And uh, I remember him telling me this. And even up till last night, I just could not get what I felt like he wanted me to preach. And I went into prayer. I told Angela, I got up at midnight. I I went into prayer and I just began to seek the face of God. And, And I said, Lord, you've got to talk to me because I'm not one of these preachers that's just going to go over and grab something out of a off the shelf. I'm not going to grab some sermon or find something on the internet. You've got to talk to me because you know who's in that church and you know what they need. Their life is right here before me. It's serious to me. I'd rather them get mad and not like what I preached than for me to preach the wrong thing and them to go to hell or or or, or be, be kept in the place and position that they're at where they don't pr- pray through and repent and make things right. I'm going to stand before you. I'm not their preacher. I'm yours. So I have to give an account to you. And just like that, the Holy Ghost said, remember that thought I gave you two weeks ago on Samson? Preach that. I sat down, and I didn't go to a commentary. I just sat down and read those four chapters and just wrote as God began to speak to me. And, and you know what? He's, he's the perfect outliner. He's the perfect one to set up every bullet point he wants to say and what he doesn't want to say and what he wants to be spoken. He knows every story. He knows every illustration to give. That's how faithful of a God we serve. And today it may not be for you, but it's for somebody in this room. In Isaiah 55, verse 7, the Bible says this, Number six, I didn't put down number six, but I'm going to read number six. He said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. His presence is here today, and he can be found if you'll run to him and not away from him. But seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. I love that. His ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts. But God, I didn't think you would ever forgive me. He said, you you don't know me. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. I will abundantly pardon. I will abundantly pardon. His hair began to grow day by day and the prodigal son took one step at a time. Walk obediently back into the arms of the loving shepherd. You say, but pastor, there, there's not a whole lot left. I feel like I've just been devoured by the enemy. You know, I read in the book of Amos, about the shepherd, how he went and he took out of the mouth of the lion. It's in the scripture in Amos. He took out of the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of an ear. If God can rescue anything in our life, I can tell you it'll be an ear to hear his word to give you faith. And legs to get back up and keep walking. Hallelujah. He's faithful and he died for you. He loves you so much. My dad used to my daddy used to tell a story, he's a preacher, pastor. Lovely, wonderful, beautiful man. Still alive today not preaching, but he's still precious as you could ever get. But he would share the story about this little boy that bought a little sailboat model and he painted it and put it together, put the sail on it. This is for somebody today. Painted that boat white with a red stripe and blue. little sail was perfect. He spent the time to do it. He got it all perfectly made and he took it down to a little creek beside his house and he was playing with that boat in the water. A little current picked up And it took that boat down further, and he was trying to chase after it. And the next thing you know, that boat was gone. It was swept into the current and taken down. He couldn't reach it. He cried over that. He was so distraught over that. One day, I don't know, about three weeks later, he's walking down a little country town. You know, they have those old storefront towns you see all across America. He's walking down that little, you know, main street, and he saw a pawn shop, and he saw in that pawn shop his boat in the glass case. And he went in, and he said to the owner, he said, that's my boat. And he said, no, son, that's my boat. It's for sale. You can buy it. It can be yours, but it's my boat. And he said, no, mister, you don't understand. I I carved that I painted that boat. I put that sail in it. Everything about that boat came from me. It's mine. And he said, son, I I can appreciate your sentiment, but he said, I want to tell you something. If you want to buy that boat, it's going to cost you $3.50. This was a long time ago. He ran home and he busted open his piggy bank and he pulled out every penny he had every dime, every nickel, every quarter. And he had $3.50 and he took it down there and he laid it on the counter and he said, give me my boat. That owner gave that little boat to him. The moral of the story is this. God created us in the beginning. Everything that we are, our character, our nature, our personality, he gave to us. We got lost and swept into a life of sin, taken away from God, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave everything, and he purchased us again. That's the God we serve. Don't let the devil drag you away from your vow, because you got a God who loves you, who's trying to keep you at that place. If you don't know Jesus today, Today's your day. If you're away from God, today's your day. Maybe you say, Pastor, it's been a long time. Today is your day. Call upon the Lord while he may be found. He's here to minister to us today. Forget, um, the Holy Ghost has told me to say this, forget everybody else around you. It doesn't matter what they think. Why did he go to the altar? because he needed to, because she needed to. Forget all of that. I just got to meet Jesus. I got to touch God. Would you bow your heads in prayer?